0: Today's episode is brought to you each and every week by Caffeine Gum Australia. So I first tried Caffeine Gum when I played at the Melbourne Rebels in 2015 and immediately fell in love with it. It's easily the best caffeine supplement I've ever had for training or games. And even to this day, even though I don't play anymore, I still have it before every gym session and every training session, particularly early mornings. Comes in three good flavors. And with 100 milligrams of caffeine, it really packs a punch as well. So try some today at www.CaffeineGumAustralia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Wandering Bear Sports Podcast, the number one sports podcast in the world. Before I introduce today's guest, can I please ask that if you're enjoying listening to the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, as well as follow us on Facebook or Instagram at WanderingBearSports. Your support is truly appreciated, thank you. So introducing today's guest, Mr. Robbie Abel. Robbie's played Super Rugby for the Waratahs, the Rebels and the Brumbies. He's also been involved in the Western Force squad at a couple of times, as well as representing the Maori All Blacks. He's also a Shoot Shield winner with Gordon and we talk about that quite a lot. It was a very interesting chat. Uh, he's also got a very unique perspective on the highs and the lows of professional sport. He's really experienced the full spectrum and he's got a great story to tell. So I think people really enjoy this one. Uh, I certainly did. And um, yeah, so without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mr. Robbie Abel. How are you? Yeah, not much. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Where in the where in the world are
1: you at the moment? So currently in um, quarantine in Auckland.
0: So you managed to escape.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I got out of the lockdown. Got out of the lockdown. Um, had a bit of a is a is a is a big job to be honest. Had to yeah. get an exemption. Went to Canberra for a little bit to see if that was better, and then um, that didn't work out. So we had to get an exemption to get into New Zealand. Ended up getting on a on a uh, on a flight. Get to get into NYQ into Auckland. Yeah, so, yeah. Now just just um five days in to um to fourteen days with um three kids. So you going crazy! <laughs> oh man, the kids are, the kids are going nuts. The kids are mate, going nuts. The, but... How many people
0: are on the plane on the way
1: over? Um, I think there's sixty per flight, but I think the one of them got cancelled. Uh, got cancelled when we were flying. So then, a a few of those people came on our flights, and maybe we had ninety.
0: Okay, so it's not too it's not too bad. I would have thought that they wouldn't be letting anyone leave Sydney at all. So yeah, you're pretty lucky, really.
1: Yeah, pretty lucky. Pretty lucky. There's a lot of um. We had the was a. I was literally on the blower for ten hours a day, for um for a solid week. Yeah, trying to sort it out, trying to trying to get on a flight. I managed to get on a flight, and then um yeah, got here, so all good. So one.
0: what are you doing now? Like, we'll, we'll, you know, yeah, so tar, no one's really released anything. So, can we get some breaking news?
1: <laughs> some breaking news. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll um, finish up with the Tars. Uh, I'm shooting over to Auckland, I'll do, I'll do um, a bit here in Auckland. I'm kind of looking to see, I'll, I'll do Mida Ten, um, and then kind of see what we do after that, um, whether it be continue playing coaching here somewhere else wherever it is um I'll, I'll look to tie that away in the in the near future but i'd say we're probably going to settle down in, in in auckland and stay here for the for the long term my my missus is actually starting a um uh, a sparky apprenticeship oh awesome so, um, yeah awesome. so it's pretty cool so so she'll be she'll be here so because of that most likely we'll um we'll settle down in auckland and and stick out, stick it out here for for the long term. So you're playing
0: minor ten for Auckland.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So come over, play minor ten for Auckland, and and then um, yeah, I mean Auckland's got a pretty good squad. Um, I've I've been here a couple of years uh, previously. Got a pretty good squad, a lot of good players. Um, so I'll kind of just fit in there somewhere and 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 uh, be along for the ride with the boys. Nice man,
0: nice. Well, I've got a lot of things I want to ask you because. Um, you know, I've kind of known you for a while, but don't really know you. And um, you've had like a, to me anyway, like a really interesting rugby career. So I think let's let's start with let's start with DC. I've got to ask about him. You yeah, were with sure. Gordon last year when you won the yeah. Premiership. What's, what was that experience like for you? What's it like working with someone like DC? Give people some insight into what he's like.
1: Yeah, so I've actually known DC for um, for a long time since pretty much coming out of out of high school um, in Brumby's Academy um, way back then when he was a when he was a Brahms Academy coach there um, and kind of always kept in touch with him and um, and uh, yeah I ended up going to Gordon through my brothers so my brothers um, <clears throat> he he had spoken to my brothers when he went there uh, the one Jacob and and Charles. Charlie, yeah. and, um, and kind of, I just, came, I just came with it. Like anywhere that, that my brothers are playing, if I can, I'm going to play there. So, um, but it's interesting. It's funny the way they, when uh, my brothers, when, when Charles and Jake went and met with him, um, he left Warringah, Charles was at Manly, Jake was in Canberra. They were going, they were going pretty well. And but DC went there and he said, uh, Gordon had come last, I think the, the round before. The year before, is that right? I yeah, think no. had come, or like. Had come. Or something. Yeah, something like. Oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. I think technically Penrith was was last, but they were they were last because Penrith had exited the comp. However, it was, I and think, uh, yeah. But DC, he told them, um, he sat down with them and he told them, "Listen, I'm mm-hmm. going to take this team from last to first. I'm going to do it with or without you, but um, it'll be better with you." And then he just left, and the boys reckon. They both looked at each other and said, like, you're not doing it without me. And they just signed. That's, that's all away. he said. Yeah, that's, that's all, all he, he said. said. That's all he said. <laughs> but that's, but that's, that's kind of Darren. Like, it's, um, it's kind of... So I'm, I'm pretty excited for, for um, the boys at the Tars and, and, uh, and DC, especially for DC coming in. Like, he's a um, great bloke, and, and I've been around him quite a bit. Stoked for him to get, to get that, uh, that opportunity. Um. But just because the language that he uses, he, he, he builds this uh, expectation and this belief right from day one. Like he'll, he'll, he'll speak about winning every day, about winning, about getting better, about almost to the point where you, you almost think, uh, some, I, I know some people maybe haven't dealt with that well because it's almost like he'll, he'll challenge you every day, challenge you to be better, challenge you to be better, challenge you to be, you to be better every day. Sometimes you can think, "No, nah, I'm not keen on that," you know. Um, yeah. This plug doesn't back me, or whatever it is. But it's not that he just, he just he's just just—he's—he's just pushing, putting pressure on, putting pressure on. And um, if you go with it, you—you you get a lot out of yourself, which is great. I love it. What did
0: he, you know, watching Gordon's transformation for me was very interesting. What was it like on the inside? Because yeah, you would never say that Gordon were easy beats, even when you know they were losing more than they were winning. But the cultural shift that happened within a two year period it, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to me. And for someone that's on the inside, and, and you've come from other successful teams to join a team uh, a team and a culture that maybe wasn't so successful to change that around, can, can you put that down
1: to anything? Um. Well, I think it's 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 no secret that uh DC's a gun recruiter. Like he's and he's 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 really good at getting guys who don't have preconceived ideas about what the team that they're coming into should be, you know. They don't think like so he would get he would pull guys from league, boys from country footy, boys from like um my brother from Canberra. i I've never played in shoot shield before. Um, and it pull all these guys from different places who didn't have this preconceived idea that like oh Gordon isn't a winning rugby club yeah so like that first year we put I mean we put forty something points on on a Sydney Uni um that first that in that in that first year and we had a and I think we we lost one to North we beat North but we won some we we won some really good games I think we had a we had a really tight one um, at South and won that. Like, games that um that in the change rooms after like people would say oh if if that was years before gordon would have rolled over but literally no one knew any different because yeah. there was such a there was there was a ton of uh of new boys there and the boys that and and the boys that were playing first grade like a, um like a luffy like club legends at, at gordon they um they were just born winners like they're they they carried that attitude and they and they brought kind of the tradi- tradition of to Gordon through. So he's um he's really good at that. Okay. And that was massive. And but I mean, that first year, it was he recruited a the, he recruited a lot of people who um just wanted to put their body on the line and win footy games, and that was it.
0: So really, the key um, is getting good people. Who don't have any preconceived notions about what they're going into, who are basically winners, and mixing them in in key positions around the guys who are club clubmen, and that's the way that, that Gordon kind of built it up.
1: It, yeah, that- and, and I, I like um, I think it's I know I know DC had been offered he's been offered um assistant coach roles at different Super Rugby clubs before and different things. But I've always thought that, you know, his true strength is as a head coach because of that. Because of the way you can tie people together and kind of and kind of keep everyone moving, keep everyone rolling. The messaging coming through about the expectations and then just keeping those standards, keeping those standards the whole time. Um it's very consistent with that. So I've always thought, you know, that's that's um, that's that's really what he's good at. Get got really good coaches in. Um, you know, a, a few coaches from Para came over. All these different guys coming in um, and uh, get all the right support around the boys, and it just makes this. This uh, I don't know what to what to call it, but it's, it's just a snowball effect. You know, it just keeps rolling and keeps rolling, and 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 uh, the belief just keeps surging. And um, you know, over a two year period, we um, managed to get the job done. Was it
0: was it special to be a part of it? I can imagine it would have felt very very
1: good. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It was it was awesome just to see some old boys crying in the change rooms and and blokes that had, um, you know blokes that have played there for years and, and played juniors there or whatever. And it's great to see uh, the Dempseys and and, and um, families like that um, that are stuck stuck with uh, the club literally for you know twenty years or however it was, 22 years um, without getting the premiership and then then to to get one again after being such a a strong club um, in years gone So Yeah, it was awesome. Mate, I
0: reckon probably the best thing about DC getting the top job is that, like, if you think about the Waratahs, they should have this huge supporter base in Sydney club rugby. Like, we're all rugby guys. We should all be supporting the Waratahs. And I, I think for years... Guys who have been in clubland forever have become a little bit disillusioned with the tars. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, without going too much into it, but you know, one of one of our own who's had success at shoot shield level multiple times and has really deserved, you know, the the recognition and the reward has finally, you know, been rewarded. I think from yeah. from the Waratahs' point of view, the support that they're going to get is going to be even bigger than like what's well, going to be big now because everyone in club rugby is going to go, ah, oh, that's our team. Whereas I don't know if that's always been the case in the past, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like i um, I'd never played shoot shield before um, 2000 and I don't even know, 2019, um, that first year at, at Gordon when DC went there. And um, I was at the Rebels at the time and, they'd, and then, uh, and that's fly me up to play games. And like, like playing shoot Shield, when I played I played, played the first game against I oh, don't even know who it was, but played, played the first couple games or first time rocking up, and I just thought this is unbelievable. Like there was so many people there um, it was a crazy atmosphere and I just thought I want to play in Sydney like I thought and and that's that's what drew me to wanting to play for the Tars. From there I wanted to play for the Tars. from yeah. that shoot shield atmosphere.. Um, Man, yeah.
0: It's become, um, as someone who's been in it for a long time, when I first started, it was incredibly popular. But all of a, all of a sudden, it was popular because all the different shoot shield, uh, sorry, Super Rugby teams let their guys play in Sydney. So every yeah. week, you, like as a young prop, I'm scrummaging against Matt Dunning, Al Baxter, yeah. you know, um, Kieran Longbottom from The Force flew over, yeah. you know, every single week. And then all the franchises said, no, 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 you've got to play your local club footy. And then it was when North—I I think it was when North won the Shoot Shield final that first year—and it became this huge thing. And they had like twenty or thirty thousand guys at North Sydney Oval. And yeah. now it's and now it's booming. And you know, if COVID wasn't on, it would be absolutely pumping. And I think when it comes back, it'll probably be pumping again. Have you have you enjoyed living in Sydney, playing for the Tars, playing for Gordon? Like what's what's been what's your experience overall been like considering I mean you've won at Gordon, but the Tars haven't won a lot. Like what's what's your takeaway from it all?
1: Yeah, mate, I've loved it. I've loved the experience. Like um playing in Sydney, being in that atmosphere around Shoot Shield, um, and then at the Tars. I, I know that the the year twenty uh twenty twenty one hadn't gone um, the way that we would have liked, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good that that we could take out of that. I, I guess the sentiment was that um, we're an underperforming team, but I don't necessarily agree with the team underperforming. Like I, I, really think, yeah, for a Waratahs team, like the Waratahs shouldn't be in that situation as a, as the organisation, you know. But I guess we yeah. were. We we're in a situation where we were playing um, playing. Guys, that were pretty young and and probably playing their first full year of senior senior footy against men yeah. um, at Shoot Shield level. I mean, sorry, at Super Rugby level. You yeah, know, like guys and a lot of players because of last year with COVID and um, and unless they had played you know full seasons of Shoot Shield the years before, it was literally their first. Uh, a handful of blokes within their first year of um, senior footy was at super rugby you know so if yeah. you take all of that into account and the amount of blokes that, we, that, that we've lost over and, and that is what it is like we couldn't control that with the, with the COVID situation you now we had a lot of guys punching well above their weight um, and that'll put us in, that, that'll put us in a better uh, place going forward for sure so I'm, I'm excited to watch those boys um, really grow next year you know, you know it's uh, so it was, a, it was an awesome experience for me especially being a little bit older. To be around, enjoy those boys, and um, enjoy the team, um, you know, and, and just enjoy the uh, being to, being able to play for the Waratahs because it's it's a um it's it's an awesome awesome rugby team man, with with a lot of tradition and uh, you know when you get your number your Waratahs number it's like in the it's like sixteen hundred and something you know like yeah, you you're, you're well up there. Whereas every other team, I've played for a few different Super Rugby teams, <laughs> and they are always like 180 or, you know, maybe That's, 200. So and more And the are rolling out 1,700, 1,800 or whatever it is. Well, I,
0: I was saying this to someone the other day. Look at someone like uh, Angus Bell, the loose head. Like, he, yeah. he's, a, he's effectively learning how to scrummage whilst playing at the highest level. Oh it's Pretty remarkable, really, what he's done.
1: Mate, it's amazing. When you, when you look at um Belly literally going straight in, he's he's never played a full season of of senior of shoot shield, you know. He's gone straight yeah. into straight into um into Super Rugby last year and this year, you know, scrummaging against uh, some some pretty good scrummagers. And then you've got you know, and then you've got Harry Johnson Holmes, who's who's transitioning the tight head over the last two years at Super Rugby. Yeah. You know, that's nuts. Mate, I, mean, I was, uh, probably don't appreciate it, but...
0: Sorry? No, mate, I was saying this to cronie I did a podcast with Simon Cron, And I'm like, Harry Johnson-Holmes is looking le- to play the hardest position in rugby at the highest level whilst he's playing the highest level. It's remarkable. I, oh, I, yeah. I don't think people fully appreciate how hard playing tight end prop is. And he's yeah. doing a really good job, you know? For in, sure. In, in my awesome. view.
1: Yeah, and they they put in a lot of work around the field. You know, they still they they they're, they're um, doing their best at scrum time, doing, getting good results, um, and uh and then still you know Bally's having fifteen carries a game, and um and I don't think uh, Harry is too far behind.
0: And it's um it's like the um, as an old front rower, I, I joke that it's. It's like uh, the guy who's too nice to their girlfriends making the rest of us look bad with all their ball-carrying you know. Yeah. What was... Um, right. Obviously, a, a bit of a different year. What was it like with the whole Rob, Rob Penny situation? Because I know a lot of the boys were close to him, and I, I've spoken to a few of the TARS boys over the period of time, and they said it was almost, you know, a, a reality check and a shot in the arm... What was your take
1: on that whole situation? Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and, and that's probably true because a lot of you know a lot of boys have um probably not been in a situation or seen a seen a coach um go like that or seen even seen players um go like that. You know, like um to get the realities of professional footy, and you know, it happens to it can happen to anyone. You know, like um. If uh, and someone's got to take take the fall for for how we were going for the results and um, you know that's that's the way the organisation chose to go with it you know and but it, it's it's rough because he's a great bloke, awesome bloke and awesome coach and um, you know a lot of the boys we felt bad because it because you know we just weren't we weren't given the performances that uh, that we needed in order to 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 do justice to the bloke. You know, yeah. and uh, it wasn't out of a lack of effort um, from the boys, but a lot of that does come down to probably, um, you know, probably just didn't have uh, the experience that we needed uh, in those games early on to yeah. be able to put things away. You know, we, we had some um, some some or uh, passages in games, but we just didn't have the experience on the field. You know, the guys were guys were debuting literally five, six, seven blokes every week, you know, like, this. and we probably didn't have the experience there to, to get the job done there. But that's all going to grow, you know. And, and, but you feel for the bloke that, that it had to go, that, that it went that way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, I've been, I've been getting into, well, I'm, I'm learning how to coach at the moment. And you look at it and go, a team's development takes years and the yeah. tiles are, Tars are at the very beginning of a development cycle and, yeah. and they will get there eventually. But in professional sport, you're judged purely on results. So it kind of doesn't really – like the two don't make sense in some ways yeah. because development takes time and you're going to have some bad results on the way. But you're purely judged on results, so it doesn't really say the full picture, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you throw COVID in, into, that, into that mix. Um, with the whole situation, and it's it's almost like that that time for Rob, that time started again, you know, halfway through his, his three year deal, yeah. With the yeah. um with the whole COVID situation, you know, the, the process literally of that cycle just got cut straight away, just because of um the situation that that the, that the game was in. So that's a tough one, and it, yeah. I mean, it, is, it, it probably has shown. All of us, you know, well, you know, uh, yeah, if we're not given the results, these are the things that can happen.
0: How did you get your start in
1: professional rugby? Hey, so I actually, um, I've, I've probably gone, um, I've gone a different route to probably most folks. Like uh, I grew up in the country playing bush footy. Um, out in, Where, whereabouts? Out in, uh, whereabouts? About 45 minutes out of uh, Griffith in country, New okay. South Wales. Yep. Um, but I, I'd always grown up watching my old man play rugby and stuff, watching my old man play for Northland um, here in New Zealand and then play for New South Wales Country. And then um, he's a farmer, so we'll sit, we'll, we're uh, on a property out there and I'll play – me and my brothers would play out uh, uh, for Griffith Blacks. And, yeah. um, and I remember – I think the benefit of the country is that you get um, – you get exposed to different levels of rugby that you probably shouldn't at the time. Like, you'd play senior footy at, you know, 14, 15 years old. I was 15. Um, I was 15. Yeah, and it's, it's an it's awesome opportunity. And, and, like, we would go to the CHS, or, or you get picked for, like, the CHS tournament or whatever to go there with this country team. My first time, I was 14 years old. And you'd Good go much. and see, like, all these play against these guys that are that are way bigger than you and that were like um the chs like guns back in the day you know you play against like uh you play against like aj gilbert and these guys are like massive and and i was yeah. i was young and thinking like what the heck is this but it just opened your eyes to like that there's a pathway so at a young age i kind of saw like well what is the pathway i'm pretty observant as a person so i kind of saw well these guys are everyone knows who these guys are. There's a kind of a pathway here. What's that pathway? And then kind of look at, wow, they're, they're all playing Aussie schoolboys or whatever it is. And to get to what's the best chance of getting to Aussie school boys is probably to play for a good school. And you know, I find like, who's the best schools. And then the closest school to me was, um, Eddie's in Canberra. Um, so me and my brothers just decided at 15, yeah, we want to, we want to go there. So we, um, you know, we went to went to Eddies, and I do like would work would work like holidays and do work as a removalist for this for the, our holidays and stuff to um to pay for our school fees and um and all that, and then just worked to, to play footy, and then uh, went into Brum's Academy. I came over and played uh, for Northland here when I was nineteen. I was in like so- a wider wider Northland squad. Did you did you play
0: Australian Schoolboys and ACT Schoolboys
1: and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I, I went into that system. So I went, I played, I played uh, ACT Schoolboys. So when I was sixteen, I was my last year in the country. Then I went to Eddies for my last two years of school. Played that's uh, the Schoolboy system, ACT Schoolboys, and Aussie Schoolboys in two thousand and seven. Yeah. and then from there went into the academy. And, okay. Um, okay, so, so, yeah. the, so, you, so you've got a year in the academy? Then you've
0: gone to Northland, was it? And played. Yeah, and
1: I came over. To, yeah, I came over to Northland and I was kind of um, a wider. I played it, I was in the, the wider squad there and played, I played like the pre season games and then I kind of just trained with the squad through the year, which is yep. it was a, it was an unreal experience for me at, at 19, um, 18, 19 there. And then from there, I actually, when I was 20, I went, I took two years off um, and I went on a mission for my church.
0: Okay. So where did you, you end up coming?
1: I was in Western Australia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, I was in all throughout, uh, Western Australia there and, um, yeah, as a volunteer missionary. And, um, so I didn't train, uh, didn't play footy. I just played, I played a lot of touch actually, uh, for, uh, two years, missed three seasons. And then I came back when I was 23, turning 24. So I left when I was 21, sorry. Yeah. Came back when I was 23, turning 24. And then, um, and then I managed to just snag a, a, a pre-season gig with the uh, with the Brumbies. Uh, and that, I guess that would come from what I'd what I'd done with them earlier early on. Um, okay. So I was going to ask,
0: were you gymming at all throughout those two years?
1: No, no. So literally and just...
0: No, no training. So I lost a lot a of weight. Footy.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I lost it. I, lost it. I, I think um, I lost by 12, 13 kilos. Um Holy shit. yeah, and that time came back. Um and um I guess the day that I landed in Canberra, I went in and saw um Andy Clark there and um sorry. Yeah. me? Yep. Yeah, and <clears throat> I went in and saw some some guys at the Brummys. They wanted to see some uh, some footage of me throwing. I guess I I could I had him thrown for that whole time but because I'd been playing touch the um so much, I, I could still kind of throw, yeah. like pass the ball. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so I just went in and I just threw and did a few things, and then yeah, they um they got me in. They got me in to do to do preseason. I was, they, uh, to be honest, luck played a massive part in me in me getting through. Like, I think in that right in that you know period man? in that period, I would say, right, there would have been. You know a handful of blokes that were in front of me that just kind of maybe stopped playing or just weren't, weren't, weren't um still chasing it by the time I'd gotten back. But oh, that, yeah. that 20 to 24 year period of 24 years old, that period, I think there's a lot of boys that that kind of stopped chasing um the professional footy dream, you know, by the time yeah. they're
0: 24. Agreed, totally. When um, so I played CHS school boys with like um quite some good pretty good players. Uh, by the time I was 24, there were only three of us still playing, four of us still playing from like yeah. fifth grade, You know, and that's like the, it was a rel- relatively good team. But sorry. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people drop out as soon as they hit adult footy for some reason.
1: Yeah, and it's, oh, I get it. It's tough. And, and I was probably, you know, I was lucky that I had kind of taken that time off. So I was turning, I was uh, turning 24 and, Hadn't played, but fresh, fresh, yeah, you know, and yeah. um, I went into to the Brahms. Josh Man Ray got injured, and um, you know, and uh, Dean Benton was there, and he, he sat me down and he he told me we had eight weeks of preseason, and he wanted a kilo every week. He wanted me to stack on a kilo every week, so I, I couldn't not. Uh, the rules were I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to be hungry, and. Um, I had to lift every day.
0: They wanted you to put on a kilo a week.
1: A kilo a week, yeah. So eight weeks, hit it. I got, I put on eight kilos at that time. I've never been able to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, Dean
0: Bendon's name has come up a number of times through the podcast I've done. Tell, tell me about what he's like as a coach, because everyone I've ever heard speak of him speaks of him in the highest regard.
1: Yeah. No, he's just nuts. Um. I'll get along really. I'll get along really well with him, and and I have a lot of respect for the bloke, just because, um, he put a lot of time into me when um, I was nobody. I, like, not saying I'm anyone now, but, but, he, but you know, you when you're the um, when you're the bloke that's that's in their training um, for not much money. I was doing security at nights, and um, you know, he put a lot of time into me, like pushing, pushing, uh, my, my, my waist, my running, everything, you know, like, he, and it put a lot of, it, 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 stand right next to me. Like you go to squat, it stand right in your face and say, mate, what are you going to lift today? And, <laughs> and um, you just get, you a bit intimidated. It's good, but it will push you to be better. You know, and yeah, I, I react really yeah. well to blokes like that who are just this certain intensity. And then I feel that probably, um, Probably naturally I'm not. That just, they just. But I gravitate towards guys who just operate at that level, who are just, you know, who who just play their game at a at a at a level that um I aspire to be at, um and an intensity I aspire I aspire to be at. And probably naturally, um you know I'm probably re- pretty relaxed. Yeah, so uh, but mate, he's awesome. A lot of respect.
0: So you you were on a training contract. Were you training full time? Or was it one of those couple of days a yeah.
1: couple of days there? Yeah. Was- I was training full time and, and um I was uh and I, was, I was working on the doors at night. Um so, so- I just want
0: I so I, I just want to give people some insight into what so a lot of people think when they get a full-time contract that it's, you know, I'm, I'm set, but in reality, a lot of guys will still have to work as well when they're beginning. Is is that, was that
1: your experience? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I would, um, you know, I would, I was making, I think 250 a week, um, training full time. And I do like three shifts a week on the doors and make, um, and you know, make triple that. Yeah. So, yeah. so you go like I'd go straight from games, like straight from the stadium, straight from games, uh, um, straight to the straight to uh, town and, and work straight away. So, did, you play, did you play that first year? Did you? Yes. No. Same, I didn't. Seven hour later. So you didn't play that <laughs> first year.
0: When when did you get your first game?
1: Yeah. So that wasn't actually until um until I come back to the Brums. So I went back and forth from there to. So back to Northland, played for Northland, went to the Force, um, and, um, and I was at the Force a bit, and then I and then I played uh, when I came back to the did Brahms you, after that.
0: And that did was, play, I just, I was Did you play at the Force? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. So you were just yeah, drew, you you, were, were. you were in, the, in the squad, but then you you've come back to the Brahms.
1: and uh, yeah. So I was at the I was at the Force, and I kind of. Um. Had a bit of a rough year that first year, and, and then I kind of left and went back to the Brums halfway through the next one. I got I got suspended uh, for quite a while through one of the uh, one of the years there, just from a, a bit of a scrap that I had uh, me and my brother had in a club footy game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, it's not my proudest moment, not my proudest moment at all. But you know, kind of had a little bit of a tussle there. And I think I got eight weeks. It's, so, okay, yeah, and man. then so
0: you've, you've ended up back at the Browns, and then yeah. so what was it actually like
1: in that first game? Well it was it was unreal for my, uh, for me and my family, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, it. Uh, I guess I I had all throughout throughout that time I just loved playing rugby. You know, it wasn't, and I was kind of a bit torn before that in terms of what level do I actually want to play like the, the day before I flew out, flew out to debut I debuted in South Africa and I had um but like the week before that I told um I told the Brahms that I was going to play uh all my clubs I told them my, my club's playing in this tournament um this preseason tournament in Sydney um so I'm going to go play out there and um they weren't playing it there at all. It was this Maltese tournament this, uh, that my brothers were playing in, and yeah. and um and all my cousins and stuff. And I just wanted to play it, you know. So I went out and played at Rockdale um, at this tournament where you play like, you know, three terrible four games ground. over a weekend. Terrible ground. Guys, yeah. Some guys were playing in runners like this, this real backyard comp. But I just wanted to play it and um play with my family. And that was probably my men- mentality all the way up until then. I just wanted to play footy that I love, yeah. you know, w- regardless of, of um, where that was, what level that was. So, I'd, you know, I had to go up there. I had to wear a GPS the whole time. So I thought I was playing this pre-season game and I was just playing in this backyard tournament with my, um, with my family. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then the boys, I guess the, Brums, the, the main team played that night in, uh, in South Africa didn't watch the game at all. Woke up in the morning and, um, Bernie called me and he was like, did you watch the game last night? And I told him, uh, nah, yeah. I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I I knew, I, I knew straight away. Like if I say, if I say yes, and I don't know what's happened, then, um, it's not going to be, so I, told, I just thought, nah, I didn't watch it. I missed the game. And he was like, and he told me that, uh, Bong, Bongo got a red card. So I'd, uh, I'm going to debut the next week. and it flew me over. Um, but yeah, I guess so massive for, for me and my family, but I guess that had kind of been been uh, the way I played my footy up until then is I just loved playing any level. And then after um, playing that that game and then playing a few more and then playing a few more, then I just I kind of realized, yeah, I actually this is where I want to be.
0: First, firstly, uh, Josh Man Ray, magnificent human being.
1: Oh, unbelievable.
0: Talk about the anxiety because I, I, like I was lucky enough to do a podcast with Dave Diggle, the Wallaby's mental performance coach, a couple of days ago. And he's something I find really <laughs> interesting and I think it'll help a lot of people is how to deal with that performance anxiety around playing at that level and how hard was it at the start and did you get better at it as you went on or was it pretty much the same but you just learned to deal with it?
1: Yeah, for sure. At, at the start, I mean, um, you you, uh, you really got to just feel comfortable in your own skin there for a bit, and and that is quite difficult at the start, you know. And you might you might do that, and then you might uh, and you might struggle a couple games early on. Consistency is the hardest thing, just to, and, and that's why I feel for um, I felt for the boys this year early on uh, being so young playing for the cards. Is that it's not that the ability is not the issue. Like, it's not that the boys can't do it. It's not that a player um, can't perform at that level. They can. But the consistency of being able to do that every play, every line out, every scrum, it's quite hard to put that all together. And that, yes. that comes with experience. It's not until you get a little bit older and, um, and you have the confidence uh, and you kind of, and you, and you have this muscle memory of, of, um, of experience that just have you come in at a certain level. To so the you point think it's something? It's something you can learn. You think? Yeah, and, but I do think there's some boys. Like, there's some boys that have just that have just they have known that they've that that um they've had that confidence right from the start. You know, you, you take a guy like hoops, um, you. Right from the right from the go, yeah. Uh, when he debuted at the Brumbies, you know, just played at that level, and um, you know, the, and, and that that's a that's a special type of player. Yeah, you know, but yeah, it it takes you a while to kind of build that. I you know?
0: it's. Um, did you ever get any help with it, or was it just something that you dealt with over your time as a player? Like, did you speak to anyone, or go and get you know, family or a mentor or coaches or?
1: How did you learn to deal with it? Yeah, I would always have players that I would speak to, and I was lucky that I was around guys like Josh Manray and um, and you'd you'd be around, uh, you know, be around other older guys, you know, like Scott Fardy and, and and different blokes, you know, Benny Alexander, who would who would um, who would give you that confidence and give you their time, and um, you know, who would have that confidence in you, and it's easy now. Like it's easy for you to have confidence in yourself if you've got people around you that, that believe in you. I feel, yeah. um, and that's something that I've tried to pass on as I've gotten older is just show that belief in in young players coming through, you know, that they can that, that, that they're going to kill it. Just keep using that language that they're going to kill it and, and keep putting that confidence in them that they're going to do well, you're going to do well, and then, um, and then just watch that come to light. You know, yeah. and, and I was I was uh, I benefited greatly from guys like that, um, who backed me right from the start. You know, right from my first preseason at at eighteen years old. You know, guys, guys, older guys uh, backed me to do well, so it um it helped me a lot. Something I've
0: uh, sort of been, you know, learning learning to coach is like learning rugby all over again. It's, um, it's been really, really interesting. But we've both been in teams where the coach is putting a heap of pressure on the team going, this is a must-win game. You know, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. Must, must, must. And I think what you just said there is very true about having, um, you know, uh, empowering players rather than mm. putting pressure on. Whereas if I go, Robbie, you're a fucking great hooker. All I want you to do is go out there and play your game. That's very different to you must nail your throws so we win. Yeah, does that make sense? And I, I'm, yeah, sure for sure. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's room for both in a team, but I, I'm starting to think that the empowering, um, mentor, player, coach, whatever, is probably a better way of going about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I and mean, I've been, like, to be honest, I've been, I've been uh, very lucky to have had world class coaches. You know, right from. The, the minute I started playing senior footy, I've had some of the best coaches in the world going through, to, you know, through Australia and New Zealand. And that's been the benefit of me going between the two countries. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never played outside, for a team outside of Australia or New Zealand. I haven't gone overseas or anything. But I've had exposure to um, to some, some world-class uh, coaches, you know, from Graham Henry to, you know, um, to DC, like all these guys that have uh, that have helped me a lot, and um, you know, I've found that exact thing, exact thing that that uh, coaches that that have just empowered me have brought the best out of me Um, I want to
0: talk about all that eventually, but let's let's just go through your career. So after the Brumbies, where did you end up?
1: What yeah, so the next- uh, back at the Brums. Then I went. Um, I got a I got a release. Uh, from uh, the Brahms, and went to. That's when when the a gig at Auckland came up, and um, I wasn't able to go because of how the contracts work and what have you being signed in Australia. So got a release to go there. After there, I went to um, I went to uh, to the Rebels, yeah, and then I went back to Auckland because so I'd already signed a, a two-year deal there and then I came to the Tars. I was supposed to go back to Auckland after that, um, but obviously COVID situation stopped that, came back to the Tars, and then um, played the last two years there, and then now going back to Auckland again.
0: How did you end up playing for the New Zealand Maori? Tell me about that experience. I could only imagine that would have been awesome.
1: Mate, that, that's, um, yeah, that was a pretty special experience for me. Um, and that was a whole reason for me wanting to go to play for Auckland. Um, I didn't tell, I didn't tell anyone except for my wife that that was the. I didn't, I didn't tell my manager, no one, not my family. that that was the reason that I wanted to, I wanted to go. So uh, you knew, so you knew
0: that if you went, that that was a possibility. So yeah, someone had, yeah,
1: Someone had spoken to you. No, so no, they hadn't. They hadn't even. I knew that there was a tour on at the end yeah. of the year. Um, and in order to play play that tour, you have to play the competition that plays that that runs before it. I still had 18 months uh, left to go on my contract um, at the Brumbies. And um, I remember at the time some people thinking that was crazy that I was going to get a release from another 18 months of, of Super Rugby and take a, a deal for um, 10 weeks yeah. um, to go to New Zealand. And um, I spoke with a lot of people and I spoke with you know, different players and, uh, at, the, at the Brums at the time. And I just felt like this. This, this is what I, I want to do. Um, and I told my wife that there's a there's a tour at the end of the year, and I want to make that tour. In order to do that, we've got to. Um, it's gonna. I was, was going to lose money. Um, I'm gonna get released from this contract, and I'm just gonna. We'll, we'll go and see how it goes. And then, um, so I went to went to Auckland, um, and then um, played the best footy I could. And then, um, yeah, end of the year got picked in that squad. Over here, when you when uh, so when that that for that tour, when the team gets named, you get it's uh, they read out your name, and then they read out um Iwi you that you're from, so the so the place that you're from, read out your people, and it's massive for Like it was an it was an amazing experience because um you know it's. Uh, that's a team that I've always wanted to play for since I was uh, a little child, like since I was a boy running around in New Zealand. That was that's that's where I wanted to be.
0: Mate, it's um I was talking to Mikey Alatoa a few weeks ago on a podcast, and he said he 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 had a few options before he decided to go with Samoa. And then when he walked in for the first camp on the first day he was there, he's like, I'm so glad I made this decision. Because it's like a mix of getting in touch with your culture, you know, representing your family, your family's history, and then, like, this huge tradition. Um, I could only imagine that that was very, very special, for for lack of a better word. Is, is that yeah. how you felt?
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And just to be in, just to have, just to be in, uh, like, to, to be involved in that team and to be able to play with some of those players and and kind of you you go to these places like we we'll go to Chicago. We went to Chicago, Brazil, um, Chile, and um, you know, just amazing people. It's you'd meet these people and they'd be so appreciative of what you're doing. It's just such a great um, it's such a great light for rugby to be in, you know, that um and it's, it's so it's so positive. Yeah. And it's it's and it's just awesome that it's representing my culture. You know, just representing the people that have that have helped me to to get to where I've wanted to be. Um, so I brought my family, brought my kids over, um, and, awesome. and my parents—they all came on the tour with us. And I can imagine what it's like for for here and and. Um, you know, for the other boys who get to represent their country as far you know i'm, I'm of the opinion that the the eligibility rules should change for especially for those boys in the island I agree. just um, because of one because of that that aspect of um playing for your people and two because as a fan i just love to see um those teams have a really good really good side
0: Mate, how good was it over the last sort of two to three weeks seeing Tonga, Fiji, Samoa, the New Zealand Maori boys all playing? Like, it's just like no, – I know rugby league's very popular in Sydney and in Australia, but if you have more of that sort of stuff, it's pretty hard to argue how good a game rugby is in my view. Yeah,
1: yeah for sure. For sure, mate. It's just, it just shows um, the amount of talent. Like, when you take into account the boys that aren't – Able to play for those teams and who are playing for other teams. The, the talent that's coming from the island, that's coming from, uh, from, from New Zealand, is unreal. It's unbelievable. Talk
0: about some of your coaching influences. You, you, you touched on it just before. And the reason I ask is because I, I think you've got a really unique perspective um, in terms of having been at a lot of teams and being at good teams, being at bad teams, being at okay teams. Like um, in terms of coaches, what have you learned from guys that you've been around? Good, bad, or different?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, some of the great, some of the great coaches I've been around. For, for example, like uh, I, my first year back at Auckland, um, Graham Henry was the um, defensive coach, um, and, and me and him got along really well. Awesome bloke, and I would, um, I remember. As a D coach, we played a game against Northland, and we put—I think we won by like forty points or something. So, put a pretty decent score on. Um, we scored, oh, six or so tries, whatever it was. We scored a, a handful of tries, and um, we did a D review meeting. And uh, he gets up, and he just—and uh, um, for his D clips, he just showed all attack clips. And um, he would just go through this, go through this play and he was like, uh, it'll be like a chance that you could have someone could have like, uh, I don't know drew him past someone or something, and he gets the one and it's me. And he was like, and then straight away it was just, we made a break. Uh, we hit like a five meter line. and um, I take the, and then I pick the ball up and then I kind of have a bit of a settler. A little pick, and he was saying, Mate, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just figured we'll get him on the next phase. And then he would probably like, it's a classic, like, we'll get him the next phase, you know? Like, you, you probably get drummed that into you so often um, as, as a player growing up, you know, just play it safe, you get it in the next phase. And he was like, There is no next phase. If they is the next phase, they're just going to scramble, their D's good. Like, we'll put 40 points on them if they good. And he shows the clip again. And then he's like, he tells me, if I he's telling me, why didn't you just pick that ball and just throw the cutout? I would have to throw, throw, like, miss two players and hit the winger um, unmarked in the corner. And we're probably like 20 meters in from the sideline. And he reckons, and he was like, if that opportunity is there, that, that winger has that much space, pick that ball, throw that cutout. And then, um, and, that, and says so, that,
0: that says so much to me. Just even yeah. that statement,
1: mate. And yeah. it's it's um. And he was just telling me there is no there is no next phase. You throw that cut out, and then um, and then after is the D coach, and he, rec- and he and he says, I'm I'm the D coach, but uh, we're not going to show any D clips because you know we we scored six tries or whatever. If we score five more, we don't worry too much about D. Yeah, and that was it. Have, I, uh, have
0: you ever had a coach in Australia say, hey, why the fuck didn't you throw that 30-meter cutout pass?
1: <laughs> ah, no, <nah. laughs> well I haven't, I haven't. I haven't to be honest. I haven't. I've had mate, early on in my career, because of the way that I played, and he's just I probably because of my personality. I remember being like, I would go on for the brums, come off the bench, and um Dan color would be on the on the on the mic and it'd be like, tell Robbie, if the offload's not on, don't throw it. Like, straight away. And it just blasts me. I remember one time we played playing in, in Argentina, and the message comes out, if the offload's not on, don't throw it. And then the first time I touched the ball, just purely because he said it, I just thought, no, nah, stop it. I'm just, and I just flick it out the back. And um, lucky, Benier, Benier um, cleaned it up. And we ended up doing it right with it. But, you know, I, I guess it's just a different mentality. But yeah. in saying that, I think the coaches in Australia that I've had, um, like guys like that, Dan McKellar, you know, they're, uh, you know, Laurie Fisher, these guys that have that have have worked miracles with with like uh, set piece, and um, just being so dominant at what you're good at, just be, yeah. be good at what you're good at, and know what they're doing, uh, line out, scrum, maul, breakdown, all of that. Things that you can control they are unbelievable at controlling. What do you
0: what do you think the difference is between Australia and New Zealand if you had to pinpoint one or two things? Like why 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 have New Zealand had such a great tradition of success over the like last couple of decades?
1: Mate, sorry mate, I just got to, I just had the move I just had to move really quickly from the Yeah. Um, why take uh, up mate, too much helping. more of your time? If I could put it, if I could put it down to one thing, I honestly think it's, um, I think it's just game time. Um, what I mean by that is just, is just the amount of high quality games that the boys get over here. When um, you take into account uh, minor ten cup or NPC um, and and super Agree, you know, you, you get guys here debuting. You, you might get a guy debuting at 23, 24 here for super rugby. You know, but he's played, he might have played 40, 40 games of um of money. Yeah. You know, which is massive. Um, I don't necessarily think that, you know, uh yeah, there's there's a lot of talent here and it, it is a one-game, one game country essentially. But I, I honestly think that um that if in Australia, we just had uh, more exposure to a higher to higher level games of footy all the time. Yeah, that um, you know that would would uh, be prepped for Super Rugby and then prepped for international footy um, at at a at a better rate than we are. Yeah, you know, because those those opportunities they allow for um, player development and coaching development. You know, when you yep. take like in Australia, there might be there's um, five full-time forwards coach roles, you know. Whereas in New Zealand, there's all the minor ten cup teams, then all the Super Rugby teams. It, it makes quite a difference to um, your coaching development and player development. And everyone knows you get better coaches, you get you get better players. Like if uh, those pathways were there in Australia to be able to just keep developing these new guys like yourself to the game. And um, all the other young coaches that are coming through, that they would then develop the players, and then would get a would get a higher level. So I think it's it's honestly for, for mine that's what it is. That's what I've that's what I've learned.
0: What are you gonna do once you finish playing?
1: Mate, to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> are you are you? No. Does that
0: make you nervous or are you excited about that? No, it doesn't
1: make it. It, it does make me a little bit nervous, but I'm excited for it just because. Um, just because i am so keen to just have a crack at whatever you know i've kind of i i take a lot of time and i've spoken with a lot of people and um about life after footy and i I, especially over the last years i was injured for the whole year you know i'd I'd meet with a lot of different blokes you know from you know um matt dunning to um a ton of different ton of different people in different industries uh, who had some relation to rugby, or or not, and um, just spoke about the things that um, they felt that the skills from a that a professional rugby player could transition into the real world, um, and um, and how that would look, and what are the options after playing rugby, um, and you know I've spoken to a lot of people about coaching and about about that path. Um, and I guess I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm just excited to see uh, what happens.
0: Does coaching interest you?
1: It does interest me just because people interest me. And, and I love footy, you know, yep. those, two, um, those two things. And, and because I've, I've, been, I've been so blessed to be around some guys who just have unbelievable minds, you know, like I've spent a lot of time with like Dan Palmer and, yep. um, you know, all the, all the other guys that I've spent time with that just have these incredible minds for footy and, and this uh, approach to rugby that I really enjoy, that I, I think it would, um, I don't know, I think it, I'd probably owe it to the game to coach at some level or yeah. to try or to give, think, my, just to give my time to the game, you know?
0: Do you think, because I, I look at you and go, you've, you've had so much experience, good, bad, you know, winning, losing, high quality, yeah. like, you know, it would be an absolute shame or, you know, if you, if not a shame, but if, if you wanted to do it, I think coaching would be really good for you because you've got all this experience you'd, you'd be able to work out what works and, and being able to apply that. But so are, are you interested in professional coaching or maybe just juniors or schools or clubs or.
1: Mate, to be honest, um, I'm not sure, but it it kind of is a you don't know until you try type thing. I think. Yeah. I think the competitiveness in me would be would, if I was to go down that path, um, and and look at some coaching. I think the competitiveness in me naturally would probably gravitate to trying to push higher. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. Like, uh, um, I'm not. I'm really not too sure. Uh, I know that. Um, talking with the coaches at the target and at all different places, you know, it's a, it's a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and a, um, a lot of the space in your mind to be able to uh, perform with that. And they're all the same as, um, as playing at that level and, and, and probably more to, more, to be honest. Um, so uh, it'll be an interesting path to walk down, that's for sure.
0: And, and you... Uh, so even... all oh, if I'm only doing second grade and helping out with first grade forwards... And I, I'm blown away by how much more work there is than I, I thought there was going to be. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, it's it's very enjoyable though, and it's very, uh, for me anyway, it's very fulfilling. How are you going to spend, well, you've got another five, how many more days in lockdown?
1: Nine. Nine after today, so 10 including today.
0: So, what are your plans for the rest of lockdown? Just watching movies,
1: playing with the kids, or have you got books to read, movies? What are yeah, you? Yeah, a bit of a routine. So, wake up, uh, yoga, yoga with the misses. Um, then, um, when the kids are up, into a bit of a, into just as many activities as we, as we can. Um, and, we, and we've kind of got We've got enough toys in here. We've bought. We've got some toys delivered and different things some we've got play-doh and all sorts of stuff and things that they can build. We just try to keep them busy. So they keep you um, en- they keep you
0: entertained at least,
1: I'd imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we just and then Auckland's dropped off um rower, uh some kettlebells or and some different gear. So then we smash that for a bit. I've got some boxing stuff. So my, my little brother's here with me and he just smashes me a bit. Um so I jump in there with him and have a bit of a spa and I don't I don't win at all but that's good fun.
0: It gets that fucking blood moving anyway, mate. Um,
1: yeah,
0: I've just got a couple more questions, and I'm really, really grateful for your time. This has been really fun. What advice would you give any young player starting out who's an aspirational professional?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, I would say probably understand that, uh, that. Playing professional rugby for most folks, it's a it's an all in, it's a it's an all eggs in one basket thing. Um, and I know that's that's probably contradictory to what a lot of people say. You know, a lot of people talk about like you gotta have a plan B. You gotta. But for myself, I know that if I if, if I'm not all in, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna get to that level because, um, like you know you know as well the the. The difference between, say, a really good shoot shield uh, player, a guy that's killing shoot shield or, or, or whatever it is, and, and someone that's playing week-in, week-out Super Rugby is so small. Yeah. You know, it's so small. In terms of percentages, it's tiny. The only it's thing I'd known.
0: I'd only disagree with that in the front row. I think it's a big jump in the front yeah. row. Yeah. I think everything else yeah. is pretty close.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. In terms of like, and but even then, in terms of around everything else, uh, like for the front row, everything else around the field, it's probably pretty close. The only difference would be the exposure to that high level, high level, um, super rugby coaching at, at that scrum specific stuff, yeah. But but in terms of player, it's quite small. So, in order to be able to push through that and be able to get to that next level, it takes it probably takes everything that you've got. So my advice would be to probably to not be afraid of that. If that's actually what you want, don't be afraid of being all in. Yes. I think don't be afraid of don't be afraid of taking a risk. Don't be afraid of um you know, don't be afraid of of taking that preseason deal and um working security on the weekends or whatever it is or trying to get through. I think um if if that's what you want to do, it's worth a shot doing it. And um, other than that. And as long as you're loving you, you still love playing the game, I think uh, it's worth doing do you
0: as you look back and like I know you've still got more rugby in you, but do you, do you look back and go, does anything sort of stand out in your memory
1: um, yeah yeah quite a, quite a quite a few things, but I think um, there's a couple of times strangely that really do like um there's, a, there's one time I had an I had an on the field I had a I had a massive argument with um Scott Fardy um, when I was younger. Me and him, we just went at we just we we went at each other about some sort of thing, about something was like down an edge, you're supposed to play there, who's gonna hit that rack, all that sort of little detail. And we just we disagreed and we just had this go on the field. And um and it was just out of, and it was at, at the Brums and obviously Bernie's there and that cult, that kind of culture of pushing each other and questioning and all this sort of stuff was kind of, was really encouraged there. And um, and I think, and from that, from that moment on um, me and Fads we got along really well. And I would um you know, I would, we'd like, then we'd, you know, we'd kind of, you know, kind of be able to go to him with different things and be able to talk to them about different things. He'd back me. I didn't get picked once. And he went to, he, and then he, he backed me to, uh, to, uh, to Bernie. And I had a go at Bernie about it and all sorts of things. But it's, um, strangely enough, moments like that really, really um, stick out to me just because um, I felt like, and looking back on it, there were, there were probably times when I kind of took my career in my own hands, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a training thing. That's not even in game, you know? Um,
0: so the Brumbies encourage that sort of, you're in conflict, I guess, for, for lack of a better way of saying it. So the Brumbies oh, encourage it?
1: Yeah, massively. That's, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. Like this, this, this culture of like, question, not of questioning and respectfully, but kind of pushing each other to that level and, and, um, you know, there's, like, uh, Bernie, he's, um, he's a bit of a basketball fan and he likes, like, uh, Michael Jordan. That's his era from that day, from, from yeah. like, the 90s or whatever. You know, so they kind of pushed that kind of mentality. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's done pretty well in terms of the um, success there. But those are some, some, you know, I've had a few times like that when those kind of experiences have... I've kind of stuck out to me. And on the other hand, I've had times when that probably stick out to me now, still, of times when um, I haven't done that or haven't stuck up or, or maybe haven't spoken my mind and then probably live to regret it after that. You know, so. It's, it's really interesting
0: what um, what comes back to you at the end of, uh, yeah. not, not here at the end, but you've got fewer days ahead of you than behind you. And what you remember, like I remember the stupidest things, but it's that stuff's yeah. almost yeah. the big stuff.
1: Yeah, in a way. Yeah, massively. massively What's your
0: What's your favourite touring destination?
1: Um. oh you know, probably uh, now looking back on it, you know, I'd have to say South Africa. Just, um, just because. I remember speaking to a few, a couple of the boys who had this year, which which was actually not very many. It would only have been like, you know, three, four blokes in our squad at at the Tars who had been to South Africa, which is crazy,
0: considering it was um, only halfway was, through last year that it was.
1: Um, yeah, that of, it was canned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, most of the boys in our team had never been to South Africa, and we, I guess we've kind of come to this realization that. We're not going to go, we're not going back. So, looking back on it, you know, those experiences, experiences that I've had uh touring South Africa, um, uh, with super Rugby teams has been awesome.
0: Who's the best hooker you've ever
1: played against? Against, um, I'm going to say really prob- probably, uh, there's the, the two toughest, um. Same team, Cody Taylor, um, Andrew McAleel.
0: Um
1: yeah, I think um, and that's, that's an unreal I think in, at the time that, that was an unreal uh, hooker combination. Um, Andrew Math just because he's so big. Yeah, he's so big. and Playing against him at Tasman as well he's just so big and very strong in the middle. And Cody Taylor he just does so much. Um, around the field and and that set piece mm-hmm. is just so consistent. So yeah, probably they're probably the two toughest.
0: he's um, uh, I was t- talking to Mikey about Cody Taylor, and he said like not only is he a big human, he's like one of the fittest, hardest working people he's ever oh. been in his life. You're going well. He he's like he's got to weigh 110 plus, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going that. And um, I, I guess seeing and being against around those guys gives you a really good insight into why. They are who they are because, yeah. you know, not many people get there without working hard. Mate, last question. I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. What advice would you give eighteen-year-old Robbie Abel?
1: If any, um, at eighteen. Um, I'd probably say uh, ask the questions that you want to you want to ask, and um, just don't be shy at all. Like, uh, you know, At 18 years old, I remember my first Benny Hands reminds me all the time. When, well, all the time. Whenever I see him, um, about my first, my very first preseason, straight out of high school, first session, uh, did weights into lineouts. As soon as we came out to lineouts, I threw one ball and then threw up everything all over, all over our lineout session. What's that? <laughs> Man, I think it was just, it was just so. It wasn't that it was hard for me. It wasn't that it was hard. It, w- it was tough. But I think I just put so much on it, like mentally, about my first day, first session. Um, and um, I think if I just, if I just uh, you know, I remember sitting there and George Smith comes in at the first day and I was just like, wow. Two years, two years before that, I was in, in, in Griffith playing bush footy." That's crazy. Know? Um and there's so many things I wanted to ask. I wanted to talk to these blokes, ask them questions about what they do. I wanted to, you know, I was probably too shy at the time and um, I just stuck to myself and then just put, had so much in my head that I just threw, threw everything up. <laughs> you know, and, and um, just try to get on with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say don't be shy at all um, and uh, just enjoy the ride because, you know, it goes pretty fast. Yeah, the old, um, the old, Footy career before you know you're ten years in, so.
0: Mate, ain't that the truth? I I I recall my first grade debut like it was yesterday, and I it was in two thousand and eight. <laughs> two thousand and eight, yeah. and all of yeah. a sudden, boom, it's gone. You know, so I, I couldn't agree with that more, mate. You got to make sure you enjoy it, um, mate. I I enjoyed the hell out of this. Thank you.
1: Thank no, you. Thank you, mate. Very no, very very fun. No. Definitely, mate. I love love everything that you're doing with the game, and I love especially the positive positivity that you're bringing towards footy. I think it's um it's something that we need in in uh, around the game, and especially in Australia around the game. It's just that the positivity around the game and and uh, showing the love for the game. So, man, I love watching your stuff. Love what you do, and um, hopefully you uh, you keep doing it forever.
0: Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, one, one of the things, just before you go, one of the big reasons I decided to start doing this is because I, I looked at the media in Australia and I'm like, we don't do a good job of telling the stories of, of our players. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I knew a little bit about your story and I knew, I knew there's a good story there, but people need to hear that sort of stuff because I think if, if the public and the supporters understand the players, better they, they, then they're gonna have more buy into the success and you know I just like telling I like being able to share guys like Estelle, Ben Vollebola, Mikey Alatoa, guys like that stories because I think people will get something out of it. And I don't I don't think we'd do enough of that. So thank you for your very kind words, mate, and your time. And um mate, I'll be watching Might at 10. How exciting.
1: Yeah, awesome brother. No, no worries. Thank you so much for having me on, bro.
0: Pleasure, mate. Good to chat and uh, enjoy the rest of lockdown. I'll, I'll let you know when this is up and uh, so we can share and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, sweet, man. Sweet. Chat, awesome, catch you,
0: mate. Have a catch good day. Bye. bye. You too, both. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode or any of our episodes, please make sure to subscribe um, on your preferred podcasting platform. Currently, we're on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Wandering Bear Sports. Until next week, wishing you and yours all the best and we'll see you next week.